of what God has been doing in our midst because uh, it's exciting. And we believe that God is a God who heals. And so um, just a little while ago, many of you were here. We had a prayer line uh, the last Sunday in December. And so during that prayer line, two different, two different people were healed. Uh, they Listen, as healings come in, tell me about it. And so one was Therese. Therese was healed. She was walking with a brace on her ankle and a limp. And she told me that it was her ankle. I prayed for her ankle. And it was later that day or the next day. Later that day or the next day, the pain went away. She walks without the brace. She walks without a limp. 90% of the pain that she had is completely gone. Also, in that same prayer line, uh, Betty came up. Tom and Betty. Betty came up. And um, I went, I would prayed for Tom, he, he, whatever he, his need was. And then I prayed for, went to pray for Betty. And as I went to pray for Betty, Tom pointed at, at Betty's back. And so I put my hand on her back and there was a lump there. And I could feel this lump. It was like the size of a, a golf ball. If I, I mean, I didn't see it, but that's what it felt like. And so I simply prayed for the healing power of God, that God would heal, that God would remove that lump. And I don't know how long it was, but God healed it. The pain that was there is gone. Uh, the muscle tension that was there is gone. The bump that was there is gone. And so God heals, and God is healing even now, even in our midst. And so if you have a need in your body, any kind of need, you may have a bump on your body. You may have pain in a muscle. You may have pain in a joint. If you have a need for healing in your body, just stand to your feet. We're just going to pray right where you're at. You have need in your body. You have a, a, a need for healing in your body. Just stand to your feet. Jesus. So those of you who are surrounding them, just reach your hand out and touch them. Because the the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of each one of us. And so, come on, let's uh, let's just begin to pray one for another. It's not about me. It's not about me laying hands on. It's about the body of Christ working together. So let's just start to pray. Father, in Jesus' name. listen, maybe you felt something, maybe you didn't feel something, maybe you're healed right now, maybe you're not. The Bible tells us that there were those who were healed immediately when Jesus prayed for them. There were those who were healed as they went along their way. And so as we go, and so what I've been noticing and what I've been seeing here, at least at Redeeming Love, is that people aren't being instantaneously healed, although that's coming. What I've been seeing is like in the case of Therese later that day or the next day the healing manifest itself. So just begin to believe for that healing in your body. As you're here hearing the word of God preached this morning, you're going to begin to feel that. You're going to begin to uh, be healed as you watch the Super Bowl later today. You're going to be healed. It's going to happen. Healing's coming. Amen. I've got one more prophetic word before I begin my message here. Rob, I really feel like God is just going to come and he's just going to strengthen you. When I saw you uh, standing at the end of the row, I, I, I look around during worship, and when I saw you standing at the row, end of the row, I literally saw, like, you know, like Thor, right? Like this bodybuilder physique, but it's not just, in, he's going to strengthen you in the physical. He's going to strengthen you in the physical because you need that. 
but he's also going to strengthen you in the emotional. He's going to strengthen you in the spiritual. He is, he, you are, man, I'm just like, if I could have half the strength you're going to have. I'm not envious, but it's going to be really good. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Angelina. So listen, uh, I'm going to try and wrap up, well, I will wrap up the, the vision series today. I want to talk to you today about personal vision. Uh, so we've been talking about vision. We talked about corporate vision. We talked about what we see with our spiritual eyes. Today, I want to talk about personal vision, the personal vision that you have for your life. Before I get into that, I want to mention the engage groups that we have. Uh, the, we have nine engage groups this semester, and so we're super excited. I'm super excited. My hope and my desire is that every single one of us in this church gets plugged into an engage group. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to become disciples. Discipleship happens best in the context of small groups. And so these are the small groups that we're able to offer to you this semester. There's nine of them. And so if we get 10 people in each group, that's 90 people. That's about the number of people that are in the room today. So praise God, we're, we're right where we need to be. Number one is Angelia. Angelia is leading a, a young woman's book study entitled You Are Free. And so if you are a younger lady, you know, between 20 and 30, 35, let's say, you can join this group and get free. He who the sum sets free is free indeed. You don't have to be, you no longer have to be a victim of your past. Uh, if you're older than 35 and you want to attend that group, you can talk to Angelia or my wife. She's the co-leader. Uh, Monday, Brian and Amy Smith. Brian and Amy Smith are leading the five love languages. And so do you know how you communicate love to others? And do you know how you receive love? This is a great book. I read this years ago. Uh, everyone needs to know this because I want to give love the way I like to give, receive love, but that's not necessarily the way my wife likes to receive love. And so we need to know this about one another, not just uh, in married couples, but single people. Uh, so it's open to all people, not just married couples. Um, I can know better how Jeff Bagley likes to receive love, right? Because I know the five love languages and what they are. Um, Ariana and Lexi Beck are leading a small group for the young girls Monday at 6.30 at the Dunkin' Donuts down on Hoosick Street. It's the one down on Hoosick Street, not the one up by the Walmart. It's the one down on Hoosick Street by the hotel, that one. And uh, that's for ages 13 to 20 years old. Uh, Jeff Bagley and Brian Lawrence are leading a men's Bible study at our favorite. Yeah, Jeff, come on, give it a hand for Jeff. <clears throat> Jeff, the unlikely uh, consummate small group leader. Jeff does a great job leading small group. I've attended his small group. He's doing a great job. At our very favorite location, Mocha Blend. We all love going to Mocha Blend. Man, it's good stuff over there. Tuesday night, Fred and Elizabeth Beck, 6.30. Fred and Elizabeth, Fred's right here on the front row. Elizabeth is away today. Uh, and they're all ages, all ages this time. In previous uh, semesters, they've been 20s and 30s, but now they're all ages. And that's going to be at their home Tuesdays at 6.30, talking about faith. Yeah. Talking about faith, so that's going to be good. Wednesday at 7 p.m., I'll be leading a small group with my wife at our house. And we're going to be talking about discipleship. So we're going to be talking about discipleship, step by step. What are the steps? What do I need to do? How do I become a disciple? How do I become a follower of Jesus Christ? How can I do this thing called Christianity better? Amen? Uh, Pastor Steve is also leading a group at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, he is talking about blessings, right? Being a blessing, receiving blessings. Pastor Steve's talking about blessings. There's only three weeks left to Pastor Steve's small group. Is that correct? There's only three remaining weeks because Pastor Steve is leaving us and going to South Carolina for a month, five weeks, six weeks. I don't know. Not envious, Pastor Steve. I refuse. I refuse the trap of the enemy. Thursdays at 7 p.m., Susan Blaze. Susan Blaze is leading a small group at her house. Uh, she's going to be She's going to be reading and discussing the book of Ruth. What a deep book. We love the book of Ruth. Book of Ruth. 
Susan Blaze, open to uh, men and women. In the past, uh, Susan's group has done women only, open to men and women. And from what I understand, they have some good baked goods over there. <laughs> Actually, most of these groups do, from what I understand. Saturdays at 9.30, Jamie is leading uh, 13 to 20-year-olds, uh, young men, young boys. What does it say? Youth boys. So this is, we don't have a youth group here per se where we have a youth service, but what we do have and what we find works better is if we have small groups for the youth. So all these small groups kick off this week uh, with the exception of Pastor Steve's. His started, his started last week because he's leaving us. <laughs> Why do I mention it like that every time? I don't know. I'm not sore. <clears throat> Jamie's going to be leading the youth at uh, Uncommon Ground in Clifton Park. So sign up for one of these Engage group. Your Engage card correlates to the numbers that you see here on the screen. So sign me up to join in an Engage group, one through nine. And so sign up on your Engage group, on your Engage card right here. We, as the church administrative staff, we're going to forward this information to your small group leader so that they know that they can be expecting you. They can uh, send you a text reminder. They can uh, call you and remind you. Uh, whatever they need to do to get you there so that you don't forget, so that you can be sure to make your small group, all right? So sign up on your Engage card, and uh, it's going to be good. Amen? Amen. We love Engage groups. God, I'll tell you this, man. God really accomplished something here last year through small groups, through Engage groups. Um, we just came to such a point of unity. We all did the same book. We all did the same questions. And I really feel that a large part of the Spirit of God that we see being poured out now in, in signs and healings is a result of what we've done in engaged groups throughout the past year. Amen. Amen. They're that important. On to today's message. Let's talk about personal vision for a moment, okay? And so personal vision is not, it's, well, let's define what it's not so that we can clarify what it is. Personal vision is not, I want to be a pastor with my life. Personal vision is not, I want to be a landscaper, right? Because that was my job before. Personal vision is not, our mission statement, right? And so we have a mission statement for our life. We have a thing that we do, but that should never be our vision because what happens when that ends, right? So you make a vision for your life, the fact that you want to you see abortion end, and then what are you going to do after abortion ends? It's too short-sighted. <laughs> Abortion's been legal in the United States since 1973, since the year I was born, for 46 years, but it's too short-sighted because it's ending. And then what are you going to do after it ends? My whole life is ended. My purpose is ended. I now no longer have no purpose. And so we can't allow our vision to be tied up in our assignment. God gives us an assignment. Pastor Matt, you're going to be a landscaper. I'm a landscaper. That's not the vision for my life. That's where I find myself right now. What I do is not who I am. Come on, what I do is not who I am. And don't allow yourself to be defined by the position in which you find yourself. Thomas Acompas was, had, a, had the, the lowest, he was, uh, he, Thomas Acompas wrote one of the works that is considered second only to the Bible. He wrote this uh, book back in the uh, 1100s, 1200s called the imitation of Christ, and it's second, considered by many theologians to be only second to the Bible. And he, he had meaningless jobs. He was a gardener. He was a dishwasher. He never had any kind of a job to look at this man. He had no worldly comeliness. You would never look at this man and think, there's a great man. Rick Joyner had a vision a walk, uh, of him walking with Jesus arm in arm, and Jesus turns to Rick Joyner in the vision and said, although in, the, although in his life this man appeared to be nobody and have nothing, he took meaningless jobs, he held more power, over, he held more power than kings over nations and generals over armies because of his secret prayer life in God. Don't allow what you do to define who you are. Come on. The thing about your assignment is that your assignment is de destined to continue to change. God gives you an assignment. You complete, I'm a youth pastor. I complete that assignment. And now God's going to change my assignment. And he's going to give me another assignment. He's going to give me a, a different, now I'm the associate pastor. And so I complete that assignment. And now God says, okay, now you're going to be the lead pastor. 
But I'm not, I'm not ending here because that's not the end intended by the Lord. I'm going to go on to more because the Lord has more for me. When you have an assignment, you can't change the assignment. Charlie said this. When you have an assignment, you can't change the assignment. Your assignment is to clean the bathrooms. I don't like my assignment. I'm not doing my assignment. You're stuck right where you are, and you'll never move forward. But, but, if you take it on, you say, I'm going to clean these bathrooms. I'm going to clean them as good as I can, and I'm going to rally help. I'm going to get so excited about this. Everyone in the church is going to want to clean bathrooms, and I'm going to head up a whole team. There's going to be a team of people that are fighting one another to get in here on my ministry. They're going to want to be cleaning the bathrooms with me. They're going to be pushing me out of the way to wash down and clean these bathrooms. And then I've created a ministry, and then as soon as I've, I've accomplished that assignment, God gives me another assignment. Come on, it's the parable of the talents, right? The guy who had five earned five more, and then when the one with the one who didn't earn anything was rebuked, Jesus took the one from the one who had the one and gave it to the one who earned the five and had ten. And he's like, you've got ten assignments done? Here's eleven. Go for it, man. Go for it. Yeah, keep going. You, have you seen the movies, um, the X-Men ones, right? Right? So, I don't know. Some of you may see this, may see not. And so, I, I've watched them, and I don't remember. There's so many, and there's all these different titles. I don't remember the title. But in the one episode, all right, there's this one X-Men. I don't know if he's an X-Men. He's the evil guy. He's on the bad side. Anyways, his power is to absorb other people's powers. Right? And so, he's able to absorb another person's Right, X-Men are all these people with superhuman abilities. And so this guy has the ability to absorb everybody else's ability, and then he can use that ability. And so he, so he goes around collecting all of the other X-Men's powers. And so it's kind of what it's like, except we're dealing with supernatural stuff rather than X-Men powers, right? Untapped, perfect plug for untapped, right? We have supernatural abilities given to us by God. You see the, the gift of healings. You see the gift of prophecy in operation here today. These are supernatural gifts given by God. And when we're faithful to use them, and we use them well, God gives us more. God gives us more. God wants to give us more. God wants to give us more than we're able to handle. God can only give us gifts in metered amount because we'd well up with pride and destroy ourselves. Untapped. We're going to be talking about the, the potential of the, of the believer, the authority that we have as believers. How many of you know that we have been given authority as believers in Jesus Christ? We've been given authority over certain things in this world. And the supernatural is a place where we should live. It should be normal to us. But for far too long, we've relegated our authority. We've not tapped into the potential that God's given us. And so this is the vision for my life, right? I shared what my, the vision for my life is not. I want to share what the vision for my life is. This is the vision for my life. The vision for my life is to passionately follow God. That will never grow old. That will never go out of date. No matter what the assignment that God gives me, I will always be able to do that. It doesn't matter if I'm a dishwasher. It doesn't matter if I'm a janitor, if I'm a gardener, if I'm the president, whatever. It doesn't matter who I am. This, this can be the vision for my life to passionately follow God. And there's more than one part to it. I have, a, I have an extensive vision. And to encourage others to do so. This is part of what God, this may not, this is part of what God's given me as part of the vision for my life. And I don't have to be a pastor in order to encourage other people to follow after God. I happen to be a pastor, and so it makes it, it makes it that much easier for me to do that thing. Actually, I've probably arrived at this place because I made that my vision 20 years ago. 
I made that division for my life to encourage other people to follow after God 20 years ago. And so I've been doing it for so long that the gifting was recognized in me. And they said, hey, you're up. Go ahead. And there's the third part. To be the best husband and father as long as the Lord gives me those capacities. See, I put a little quip quo in there, right, at the end. As long as God gives me those capacities. Because those are things that, are, that have a determinate lifespan. I don't know how long that lifespan is, but as long as God gives me the capacity to be a father, to be a husband, I will be the best husband and father that I can possibly be. And so that's the vision for my life. It's pretty short. It's pretty simple. It's pretty sweet. It's really sweet. To passionately follow God. Notice I didn't put it up here so that you can take pictures of it. I don't really want you writing it down. If somebody somebody writing it down, that's okay. You can write it down. My vision doesn't have to be your vision. You need your own vision. But it needs to be large. Get, listen, visionaries don't think small. Don't limit yourself by saying, I want to be the best usher in the park. I want to be the best usher in the church. That's limiting yourself. Dude, you have so much more potential than that. A vision is large. A vision, a vision is limitless. A vision has no limit. Come on. Come on. No limit. We have a limitless God. And so your vision over your life should be limitless. To passionately follow God. There's no limit to the end of that. Until, like Enoch, I just go home in glory with God. I don't know. I don't know if God still does that today. Maybe. To encourage others to do so and to be the best husband and father as long as God gives me those capacities. Amen? Amen. So that's the vision for, your, for my life doesn't necessarily have to be the vision for your life. I didn't put it up on the screen because I don't want you to necessarily copy what I've written. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Amen. What a wonderful scripture. God guides us and God leads us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. How many of you know that what we know can be deceptive to us? How many of you know that the things that we know can hurt us, injure us, and send us on down the wrong path? I was hanging out with, uh, it doesn't matter who it was, and they said this, they were reading out of a book and they read this, they said, the tree of knowledge fills us with misunderstandings. Think about this for a minute. The tree of knowledge fills us with misunderstandings. Let's go back to the garden. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there's the tree of life, right? And what did God say? God said, of every tree in the garden you may eat, except (laughs) don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from this tree. This is the one tree. All these trees in the garden, go for it. This one tree, don't eat that. And what, so Adam and Eve, Eve, the, 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 the serpent deceived Eve, Eve eats from the tree, knowledge of good and evil, passes it on, Adam eats too, and then God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the mist of the day, and what do they do? They hide. Why did they hide? Because they had knowledge, but the knowledge led to misunderstanding. They had knowledge that they were naked, and they misunderstood. They thought that God was going to punish them. And so what did they do? They hid. They misunderstood God in his wrath, and they didn't see God in his mercy. And so the very knowledge that they partook of gave them misunderstandings, and they did something that they shouldn't have done. I mean, they sinned by disobeying God and eating the fruit in the first place. But now that they knew and understood something, they had this great misunderstanding of who God was. So when he came into the garden, they hid. So sad. I swear, that's the saddest part of the whole story in the Bible. You know, you could think it's the crucifixion of Jesus, but it's really not because Jesus is saving us at that point. For me, the saddest line in the Bible is when 
God comes walking in the cool of the mist of the garden, and Adam and Eve hide. Can you imagine God coming and walking through this room? What would you do? Adam and Eve chose to hide. They went and they jumped over the sound booth and they hid behind the wall. When the whole time we're invited to run into his presence, to jump up in his arms, and to wrap our arms around him. There's an invitation given by God, and they ran the other way. I swear, it's the saddest line in the Bible. I swear. The tree of knowledge fills us with misunderstanding. Now, take this little example that we've just done here with Adam and Eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and having misconception of what God was going to do and multiply, multiply that times infinity with every single thing that we think we know. We live in a world that's completely misunderstood. Misunderstand, misunderstanding abounds. It's, it's amazing that anyone gets together. It's amazing that anyone can love one another. It's amazing that we humans are still surviving on this rock of a planet however many years later. It's amazing. It's by God's grace alone. It's by God's grace alone. Because if we were left to our own things, it'd be really bad. Oh, Lord. Wow. Acts 8, 9 through 11. I want to put... There's certain scriptures. It's really hard... To, to, to just find a scripture that says this is what vision is. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about what vision is not. And so here's Acts 8, Acts 9, uh, verses 11 through 12. It says, So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, he is in, he's praying in a vision, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him so that he may receive sight. And so the Lord tells this to Ananias right? This is not vision, right? We've kind of already covered this. This is an assignment. God speaks to Ananias and says, go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas. There's a man there named Saul of Tarsus, and he's waiting for you to come and lay hands on him so that he is not blind anymore. So God gives Ananias this very specific assignment, say very specific. This is a very specific assignment. Like, he's not just saying, hey, listen, I want you to be a pastor. Hey, listen, I want you to be a worship leader. Hey, listen, I want you to, you know, be, be the, you know, I want you to sign up on the cleaning team or the cafe team or the children's. He's not just saying that. He's saying, listen, this is special revelation. So sometimes God gives special revelation, but we can't camp there waiting for this our entire life. This is few and far between. That's why it's called special revelation. Special guidance. Most of the time, we operate in a realm called moral guidance. Okay? God laid out for us how we should live our life, and we do it. It's called morals. It's called, we, don't, you know, don't have sex outside of marriage. Okay. That's, right? Don't lust. Don't steal. Don't do this. Do this. Love God. Love neighbors. Lots of, there's, a lot, there's a lot more do's than there are don'ts. What did God say to do? Operate within the moral guidance that God has given you. We don't need to wait for a specific word. I don't wait for a specific word to go and pray for somebody. Sometimes I feel a little bit of an inkling, but sometimes I don't. And I just hear that somebody's sick, and I said, I'm going to pray. Well, God might do something. <laughs> the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. Come on, listen, the middle of the night, they're like, come on, me and you, let's go out to one of these little armies of the garrison of the Philistines. Let's see what, let's see what God will do. And in one night, one angel slew uh, 185,000 men. Come on, what might God do? Well, one angel shows up, and it's all over, 185,000 soldiers slain in one night. A couple of young guys got together, and they decided they were going to go downtown Troy and start witnessing and the angel of the Lord showed up and put to flight all of the enemies. And every stronghold of the enemy was pulled back. And the city got saved in a week. What? How that happened? God happened. Who knows what God might do? 
So there's all kinds of guidance. Moral guidance, what God has clearly defined. Wisdom guidance, we know what God has defined, and we make decisions with our wisdom. Sovereign guidance, where God sovereignly makes things happen, and he pigeonholes us in a direction. And then there's special guidance, like we read about Ananias going to the street called straight. And so there's all of these ways. Most oftentimes, we find ourselves in a place where we need to depend on moral guidance. The Word says this. I'm going to do this because the Word says this. I've built my life on moral guidance. And once in a while, I get a little bit of special guidance. Once in a while. I would say it's rare. I'd say it's less than 1% of what I do. More often than not, I'm just like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. 1 Corinthians 7.39 says this. 1 Corinthians 7.39 says this. It says, and then we're going to move on. Uh, it says, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty. She is free to be married to whom she chooses only in the Lord. And so think about this scripture just for a second. Marriage is extremely important. And who you choose to marry is an extremely important decision. But what the Apostle Paul is saying here in this scripture is that if a widow that's married to a, a man, the husband dies, that woman is free to choose whether or not she wants to be married, and she's free to choose to marry whomever she wants to, to marry. So it doesn't say that God's going to pick out the man for her. It says that she chooses. This is a very important decision. I'm thinking, I want God to decide this for me, God. I don't want to pick this for me. God, I want you to come. But he, Paul says, no, she chooses. It's your choice. It's your option. You choose. Moral guidance. God has set moral parameters. The moral parameters is that she can marry anybody that she wants only in the Lord, as long as the person that she's choosing to marry is a Christian, because she's already a Christian. Micah 6.8 says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? He's already told you what he wants. He's already told you. This is Old Testament, and he's already told us. And what does he want? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. And so far too often, we wait for special revelation. We wait to hear a word from God when all the time God's given us this free space to do what we believe that he's called us to without special instruction. Most people will have an average of 8 to 10 job career changes in their life. I'm the rare exception. I've had two. And so that means somebody out there is going to have 20. All right? So if you're worried about what you're going to do with the rest of your life, dude, just go do something. Don't sweat it. This is small stuff. Just go do it. Right? And if you don't like it, quit and go do something else. My dad had 15 jobs, something like that. I know. He did everything. He was a plumber. He was an electrician. He's colorblind. He was an electrician. So if that doesn't scare you... All of this stuff. Come on, be brave. No, I don't know there's much more bra bravery than a colorblind electrician. Dear Lord Jesus. Just do it. Just find something to do. Do it with all your might. If it's not what, if you're feeling it, it's not what God's called you to, go do something else. Just go do something else and just do it with all your might. Just go. Do it. Do it. Just do it. It was back in the 80s. Bold. I read this. This was in a magazine, so I don't know who, who wrote this, but I read this, and I said, I need to read this today. The art of being led by the Spirit is not a matter of waiting each moment for some mystical experience of divine direction. It is a matter of trusting God for the power to obey what he has already told you to do. Go ahead, take a picture of that because that's good stuff. Right? What did I say? I said divine revelation, supernatural special revelation accounts for maybe 1% of what I do on a daily basis. I don't have to hear from God to love my wife to know that I should love my wife. I don't need to hear from God to, to provide for my children to know that I should provide for my children. God's already told me that. I don't need to hear from God to know that I'm to... Pray for and heal the sick. His word already told me that. Yeah. 
He already told me that. I already know to do that. I depend on special revelation not to determine what area in the church I might serve, but I wait for the prophetic word that might come. I wait to pray uh, for, for specific words of knowledge to come, that, that I could pray and, and move with the Lord in those ways. God will do those things. But it's, it's like 1% of what we're called to do as Christians. More often than not, we just, we just, we've already been told what to do. The art of being led by the Spirit is not a matter of waiting each moment for some mystical experience of divine direction. God, should I walk to the left side of the stage or to the right? I can't do anything because he hasn't said anything. That's not God's will. We need to activate our faith. I'm not going to ask if I go left or right. I'm just going to go. And if he doesn't like it, I'll sink into the water. Right? And then I know, okay, I'm going the wrong way. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. Every single day. (laughs) Peter got wet when he got out of the boat. But he's the only human being to have ever walked on water. In his liquid state. Right? Because I've walked on water in its solid state. That doesn't count. (laughs) Jesus doesn't start with, you know, a a frozen lake in in Minnesota in the middle of the dead of winter. And he's kind of, okay, you're kind of walking on water. This is kind of it. He doesn't start like that. He waits until the boat is in the middle of the lake. He's not even in shallow water. Not even shallow water. Middle of the lake. Middle of the night. Dude, the moon, the light of the moon is, it couldn't have been the light of the moon because there was storm clouds, so it would have been blocked out. Middle of the night, it's dark, he can't see. It's amazing, it's it's no wonder that he even saw Jesus. Middle of the lake, middle of the night, middle of the storm, I'm thinking walking on a calm flat would be difficult, and here he's he's like, there's waves going on, they're white capping, they're crashing into the boat, and Jesus is like, this is perfect! These are perfect conditions for you to figure this out. (laughs) Jesus, come on, wait for the morning, calm flat, near shore. Let's start there. No, no. James 4, 13 through 16. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit, profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But you know, but now, but now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good, and does not do it, to him it is sin. We don't like James, do we? You know, Paul writes some words, and he's like, the love of God, oh, that you might know the height and the width and the depth and the breadth of the love of God. Oh, it's so good. And James is like, if you know what to do and you're not doing it, you're in sin, buddy. I think that's why I like James. He's pretty direct, right? I try not to be super direct because I know people don't like it. So this is why I know we don't like James, right? He says, consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials. Are you kidding me? How can that be fun? He didn't say it would be fun. He said, consider. You choose that it's joy. You choose your joy. Choose. Choose to be happy. It's a choice. I'm not even going down that road. We're in four. We're not in one. James 4. If you know the good to do and you're not doing it, you're sinning. Let's clarify. Okay? We need a little bit of clarification. We're reading from the therefore. All right? Everybody follow along with me. Therefore... 
to him who hears from God what he is to do and doesn't do it, it's sin? That's not what it said. That's not what it said. It's not about hearing from God what to do and doing it or not. Too often we wait to hear from God before we, we step out in faith. No more waiting. Pastor Charlie said that 2020 was going to be a year of activation. Come on. Get yourself ready. Stir up yourself. Get yourself ready to be active. Get yourself in that starting gate, right? Runners get down in the starting position. Come on, hands down. I don't know how they do it. It's something like that. Get in the starting position. Get ready. Get ready. Because when the gun snaps, you got to go. When you know the good to do, you've got to do it. It doesn't say to wait. You don't need to wait for the whole story to be unfolded. It said that Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham's in this city, and this is where all his family is. And God says, Abraham, come out of your people, and I will separate you for myself. And Abraham's like, all right, I'm going to need some more details. What's the address? I got to punch into my GPS, see how long it's going to take. I need to provide some food, you know. I'm going to tell everybody that I'm going. And do I even want to do this, God? Is there, a, is there a street that I'm going to be going on, or am I going to be walking through the woods in the, the wilderness? Abraham, come out. And he went, not knowing where he was going. Hey, kids, we're going on vacation. Pack a bag and hop in the car. We're leaving in the morning. Okay, Dad, where are we going? I don't know. My kids would be like, okay, cool. <laughs> Us as adults, we'd be like, no, where are we going? What do I pack? Do I pack shorts? Do I pack sweaters? I mean, come on, are we going to Aruba or are we going to Alaska? Because if we're going to Alaska now, I'm not going. <laughs> I need to know. God called Abraham. Abraham left not knowing what would await him, but just trusting God. And so God's speaking to you. You see something that you know to do to him who knows to do good and does not do it. You will look and you will see with your eyes. God's going to begin to open your eyes and you're going to begin to see with your eyes the good that God's calling you to do. And when you see it, I pray to God that this scripture sticks in your mind. So that you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit that will bring you to do that which is good. That's all. Listen, I just want us to activate our faith because when we begin to step out and we begin to move with God and we begin to activate our faith, all bets are off. All bets are off. It gets super exciting. It's the best life you'll ever lead. Man, you want an adventure? Start walking with God. Go read your Old Testament. Those were some adventurous people. These are the priorities for my life. I want to throw this in here. i got to end. We're getting late. These are the priorities for my life. If I could have the pianist come up. These are the priorities for my life. These were the priorities that Pastor Tom had set forth, and I adopted them about 20 years ago. I've searched my word up, down, sideways, backwards, every which way, and as far as I can determine, I can't find anything better than this. And so, you know, Pastor Tom always says, Follow me as I follow Christ. And so he said, this is him. And I said, this is good for me. And then I held it up to the word and I said, yes, it holds true. And so these are the priorities for my life. God first, spouse second, family third, church fourth, work fifth. Luckily for me, I can combine four and five. But if my spouse needs me, y'all gonna have to wait. If my kids need me, you're all going to have to wait because I have priorities, as I should, by the moral guidance that God gives. I have some, we can talk about this more later, the moral guidance versus the specific, you know, individual, perfect will of God, where we often finds ourselves as Pentecostals who want to be led every moment of our life. I have more on this, but there's not time for it today. 
God first, spouse second, family third, church fourth, work fifth. The vision of my life is to passionately follow God and to encourage others to do so. To passionately follow God and to encourage others to do so and to be the best husband and father as long as God gives me the capacities to be that. you're here today and you've heard me talking about Jesus and my relationship with Jesus and that's something that you've never done before I want to invite you to enter into a relationship with Jesus just like I did 28 years ago I walked into this very church not knowing who God was I mean I knew I knew something about God but I really didn't know him and someone made an invitation to me to come to know Jesus I knew I had sin in my life. I knew that I was doing things that were not right. I didn't even know God, and I knew I was doing things that were sinful. I walked into this building, and somebody made an invitation, just like I'm making to you now. If you want to know Jesus, and if you want to turn away from your sin, I want to invite you to do that this morning. There is no greater joy that you will ever have. There is no greater adventure that you'll ever walk on than walking with the Lord. It is more fun than a, than a barrel of monkeys. It's more fun than Disney World. It's more fun than whatever you think could be fun. It's more fun than Vegas. I don't know if Vegas is fun. I've never been. But someone might think that. It is the most exciting adventure you'll ever take. And you will never find a, a way to be any happier than following God. If that's you today, I want to pray a prayer. And I want you to pray it with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. God, we, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. That you come and live inside my heart. That you give me grace and strength to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you just made that decision today, I want you to check this box right here that says, today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. The Bible tells us that when we make a decision to follow Jesus, that we should tell somebody, this is your way of telling me. And what I'm gonna do is if you check that box, make sure your name and information is filled out correctly and I'll mail you a little booklet to help explain the decision that you've made. It tells you what to do, what your next steps are in following Christ. And so if you've made that decision today, check that box. Make sure your address is filled out in your name, and I will send you some information. We're going to get ready to take communion. And so if you just accepted Christ, you can take communion with us. We'd love for you to do that. We're going to take communion together. Jesus. that he was betrayed took the bread and he said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me as often as you eat this bread remember my death until I come Jesus we thank you for your, your, your perfect life that you lived Jesus we thank you for your death upon the cross and God we thank you for the new covenant in your, bud, in your body and in your blood, in this bread and in this wine. And God, we remember. We remember. And God, we take this bread together in Jesus' name. Jesus would be, would be betrayed. He took the cup. He was at the Passover Seder dinner. 
and there's seven cups of wine that are passed around the table on that Passover Seder dinner night. But Jesus took the third cup. The third cup is the cup of redemption. And when they take that cup, they fill it till it overflows. They literally take that cup and they fill it until it runs over the brim. They actually put a tray underneath the cup so that when it spills over, because it's going to, the tray catches the spill and it doesn't stain the tablecloth. Because the cup of redemption is more than enough. It's more than enough. There's more than enough. The cup is overflowing. The redemption that is available at Jesus Christ is overflowing. It is more than enough. There is no sin that Jesus doesn't forgive. There's nothing that you could have done that Jesus won't forgive. Jesus, we remember your covenant in your blood, your blood that was shed upon the cross for us your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin that we might stand and we might stand before God in perfect relationship of revelation. God, we remember. God, we ask. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your blood poured out on the cross. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We take it together in Jesus' name. away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow nothing but the blood of Jesus Jesus we thank you for your blood shed upon the cross we thank you for forgiveness of sins which gives us right standing before the throne of God which gives us right standing in your very presence. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. We can't thank you enough, God. We're so grateful. We're so grateful, God. God, we thank you. Amen. 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 Ariana's going to come and receive the offering at this time. We're just going to get ready to just bring our offering this morning. Um, there are several ways to give. You can write a check.